0: This is episode 73 of the Reading Cove Book Club's podcast. We're always looking for great new members, so if you're a book lover who may be interested in joining an online book club, please visit our website at thereadingcove.com to learn more about the group. For December 2016, we're discussing The Sound of Glass by Karen White. So hi, I'm Millennia in Florida.
1: And I'm Roberta in Georgia.
0: And Roberta and I are here to discuss our 193rd Cove pick chosen by Roberta herself, The Sound of Glass by Karen White. And I know you're a huge fan of Karen White, so why don't you let us know how you liked it?
1: I say, well, I know we'll probably have to agree or disagree because I know you didn't like it near as well as I did, Mm -hmm. but um, I like all of her books. Um, this one may not have been my top one, but it, it was still an excellent book to me that, uh, not only does, she, um, she have, you know, interesting plots sometimes, but that she always seems to make the location almost a character in itself, even though she lives in the Georgia area, that the low country of South Carolina is one of her favorite places in the whole world right. after spending many uh, vacations in the Myrtle beach area, which isn't Right by the places she described, but you know, not far from it, that I can see her her love of the place. And I've even been to uh, signings of hers where she talks about the pluff mud, which she mentions in this book. And it seems like a weird thing to enjoy the smell of, but there is something different about it. You know, it's sort of part of the uh, the Low Country of South Carolina. It's not just the beaches and the salt air, but the the marshes and the different Places that go along with that area. So I always feel like she brings the settings into the um, book too, and it makes them an important part of them, not just the characters. So, yeah, I, I enjoyed the setting. Yeah, so I, I really like that part. I said, I know that we've talked before about when it comes to romances, sometimes <laughs> they're like formulas, but as you've said before in our other podcast, sometimes it's the journey and getting there. And I think that the journey in getting there was, uh, you know, still a part that I, I really enjoyed, mm-hmm. And I didn't feel like, in this case, that the um, romance between Merritt and Gibbs that, you know, took a while to come about, it wasn't the main f- focus of the story. Right. So, so, you know, that didn't, you know, even though I'm not Uh, as much into the romance genre as I once was, that I still can appreciate uh, stories that where people seem to not be, you know, very friendly to start with, but they can, you know, find through different uh, things that happen that they care more about each other than they realized.
0: Right. And, you know, my feeling on that is it was too predictable, it, that's what because I said in the group it was like nineteen eighties Harlequin. It was just kind of formulaic. It was boring to me. They were boring.
1: <laughs> well, you know, I mean, if, uh, you have to have some things that that people appreciate and all. And as I said, I didn't feel that was the the main focus. Of no, it wasn't. Story. It wasn't
0: the main focus. So
1: yeah, to you it may have distracted you some, but it it really didn't bother me too much because um, I could sort of see where she was standoffish really from everybody to start with You know, she she kind of was putting, you know, her hands up and like, back away, back away, even from the get go. And you realize more and more why she was like that.
0: Because she's a New Englander. That's the other <laughs> thing.
1: It was just so
0: stereotypical with the whole New Englander versus Southerner type thing.
1: Well, like- but, you know, she, she'd she been through a lot of things, too, you know, but well, and she did have a different cultural act outlook on things she really being uh living in you know new england all her life and then all of a sudden coming to south carolina she was truly one of the fish out of water well yeah that's a given but not everybody
0: from new england was going to react to things the way she did and the story just kind of framed her in that way like every she was that way because she's from new england
1: Well, (laughs) it was like really well i think you know she would have been that way no matter where she was from just because of of her background, yeah, but that's
0: not what the story. That's not what how she was characterized, and it just felt kind of um, narrow minded. I would say it was. Well, it felt very small minded to just characterize her. Oh, she's this way because she's from New England. So anybody from New England was gonna act like that. It was just. Well, it was kind of silly. Well,
1: I mean, yeah, it's just a big difference between the stereotypical Southerners and and New Englanders. But you know, she she. I think she uh try to sort of build a, a cold prickly uh exterior around herself even more so than the other people and and then i I have to admit that I haven't been up north very often, but there's still just there are people are people and you know some are gonna be sweet and kind no matter what but just the overall feeling is that you don't feel like as welcomed and um, you know par- part of of the the process in one area versus the other people. And I think a lot of it has to do with things being so crowded, too, that people get crowded and they're not going to always feel warm and fuzzy. They're going to feel like they have to get through the crowd and they, you know, only worry about themselves or or what they need to do. So I don't know, sometimes it's so much a regional thing as it's a defense mechanism.
0: No, I think regional and and time and place does determine most people's states of mind where you're from you have overall personality traits and stuff like that. But I just think in fiction, when you're to, to characterize somebody as being away because they're from a certain region all the time, it's like it was said so much. And I think that's that was the issue for me. It was like a huge part of her character was that she was from New England. It kept being, it wasn't just said like in the beginning and then the reader is left to kind of have that in their mind as she as she plays out through the book. It was constantly told to you. <laughs> And the other characters are, oh yeah, she's from New England. You know, it's like,
1: <laughs> but but you know, the other people they they, they accepted her more than accepted them. That That's her. true, especially you know Laura Lee. That she knew that Merritt was going to have a bad attitude, or from the get, you know, towards her get go, but she didn't let that. Um, put her off she you know she had used what her mama taught her and what her oh culture my
0: was. god and as you bring that up <laughs> i got so sick of her and the my mama used to say and my mama always said
1: <laughs> oh but my god it, but meredith did too it kind of put her off and, <laughs> it was I, annoying it was annoying Well, yeah, maybe I mean,
0: you weren't annoyed by it but that was annoying to me it was like oh my god God,
1: really. But, but, but she, I think she was supposed to be a little bit annoying. Yes, with her, she was. Her, her, <laughs> that, that was part of her character. She's supposed to be it. Even though she had a heart of gold, she was supposed to be that. But she and, was very and, shallow,
0: too. I mean, everything was, oh you know, you need to look good for Gibb. She's trying to hook her up with Gib, and you look all dowdy and you know, put some lipstick on. She, I found Laura Lee pretty shallow. I mean, I know that she was there because she knew she was sick right? and she needed to make sure her son was going to be looked after. Right, right. And so she had that going on. And you know, she didn't re- reveal that we don't find that out until much later. Much but la- aside from that, she seemed to be, I mean, and, and I also think she wasn't a gold digger. She It seemed like she did love Merritt's dad. Yes. Even though he was, you know, much older than her. And Merritt kind of had written her off as a gold digger.
1: Right. uh, As a bimbo and a gold digger. A bimbo
0: and a gold digger. And I think... You Know that wasn't true of her, and that no. came across nicely. She was a good mom to her son, oh, but yeah. then
1: there was she was pretty shallow. I, well, I think you know that she had been raised with n- nothing, you know, she really truly uh, you know, came from a, a really rough start in life, right. and, and I think she felt like to get out of there, she had to do whatever it it took and then she'd even had an early uh disastrous marriage and then you know after that she just decided well she was gonna you know as the the adage goes pull herself up by her bootstraps Bootstraps, yeah she went to you know um flight attendant school thinking well you know that's a you have to look you know good for that and it's a pretty glamorous job so i think most of her um way of looking at things what was it seems sort of shallow because she was trying to make herself look extra pretty and extra attractive and so she could do well in this job Mm -hmm. and then maybe she could find a a decent husband which she did but I don't know that she necessarily went into that to find a husband but she just feared she'd be good at that because she was pretty and you know she she was you know had the southern charm going on and 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 to be a good uh flight attendant you you have to um have a, a really engaging type personality and be able to deal with a lot of different people in a you uh, know polite way she did have excellent manners she had l- learned those well
0: she was a good person Um, she was just kind of shallow to me and I that that part of her I didn't love because I didn't really see much evolution she was offering merit this my mama always said experiences and soap opera reasoning you know she's saying soap operas kind of teach you the basics about life well I I, I don't know I, I
1: haven't watched soap operas really my mom was a big fan but But she did have a point when she was saying, well, you know, the thing they a lot of times they they have different characters and they either keep doing the same thing over and over Mm -hmm. again, don't learn from history. And there's a lot of people like that, too. Or that, you know, you stick your head in the sand and and you want to think everything's fine when it's really not. So, you know. She made a good argument, Roberta. She
0: She made a good argument for it. And I could see the reasoning. But I don't think watching soap operas is going to teach you (laughs) those lessons. Because you're just watching people continuing to make those same mistakes. And. They don't ever really show you, you know what I mean? They don't ever really show you that, you know, progression. Because otherwise it would, I guess they wouldn't really have storylines to keep no, they w- they treading just gotta, over and over.
1: <laughs> there's got to be too much hot. Drama going on. But at this, you know, I, I can see I, I met a lady a good number of years ago from Central America and she said she learned English from soap operas. Oh, so, yeah. A
0: lot of people learn from watching TV and listening to the radio and stuff. Yeah.
1: Stuff like that. So that that's interesting. But I think, and too, Laura Lee, that soap operas would be more her, uh, you know, uh, speed because I, you couldn't see her watching. Uh, dramas or uh, educational things on pbs or anything you know that wasn't her but she really was you know pushing for owen to have um, a good education he he did you know i think he took after his daddy uh, too because he got good manners from her but he took after his daddy because he was like precociously smart he didn't do well some of these other children because he you know is really like too much of a nerd yeah But but a a sweet nerd. But, you know, kids don't appreciate that when you're younger. He was funny.
0: I I thought Owen was was so funny because he would say certain things like when he asked um, Merritt was in his room and he asked her to, you know, he says, "Okay, you can take out my nightlight. You can turn out the nightlight. And she's like, "Uh, "Okay." And then when she goes to leave, he goes, or you could leave it. I'm just 10. (laughs) (laughs) I was cracking up.
1: Yeah, well, you know, he didn't want to seem too too babyish, but at the same time. He's still scared, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, he still had little things to deal with. So that that was kind of cute. That
0: was cute. I was cracking up. But yeah, I liked him. I think he was my favorite character. But okay, so let's go to the other aspect that I really liked, which was the mystery. Yes. So in the beginning, this plane crashes over Edith's house, and she ends up with a suitcase in her yard. She reads the letter that she finds in the suitcase, but we're not told what it says. But it's obviously something very profound, because she keeps the letter, she, you know, now kind of knows something we don't know about this crash. And so now you're left wanting to find out what that is. Right. So that's really what the MacGuffin was for me to keep reading. Right. I wanted to know, okay, how does that, what, where's this going? How does this tie in? What happened?
1: We're bound to know sometime It's just going to uh, take a take while. while. <laughs> and then it was really neat with all those little, um, Things she made that you yeah, know, yeah, because she was working with the police department. Yeah, so I mean, I that she really got into that, and you could probably see why later on. You could see why, but she was just so talented. You think it was a shame, you know. But it was a long time ago when you think about it that that she couldn't use her talents in a in a different way because exactly. she, she could figure all these things out. And at the same time, she was so artistic that she could make these little miniature things to scale that was just, my mind was just blown that think, wow, to be able to do something like that, that's really remarkable. Right. And it is interesting. uh,
0: One of the things the book said that I thought was kind of used as an excuse, but I, I see the reasoning with Edith, where it said that battered women tend to start reasoning in a very dysfunctional way just to cope, just to be able to live. In life, right. and right. their reason be- reasoning becomes very dysfunctional. Now, I wasn't really buying that too much when it came to the woman who merits grandmother, right? When, <laughs> because it, to me that was like trying to say explain away her reasoning for putting this bomb <laughs> in the suitcase yeah. and thinking it would blow up well when he's off the plane.
1: Well, it 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 should have, but you know, then things were delayed. But you know, I think she no, she just gone off the deep end she was crazy she and was then crazy. and then she and then to explain her
0: writing this letter that she knew he would never read and putting it in the suitcase so that we could have a plot it well, I, I just did not that that's where it kind of lost me it fell apart because it was too contrived it's like okay she's it's not like she knows she's telling him here read this when you're on
1: the plane <laughs> you know well, what I mean <laughs> I, know, I know but I, I think maybe it, even if she didn't think he would see it from my point of view, I thought it was cathartic to her, even though she'd lost it. Yeah, that, it was cathartic, but put, putting it in his suitcase—well, I mean, I guess she thought it was going to be blown to bits anyway, and you know, once he was in the car. But I—I I, I don't know that she expected anyone to see it. Unfortunately, you know, later on, Edith did. But I think it was just a way of her to finally vent all these horrible things that had happened to her, more than than anybody finding it it was just her final you
0: know swan song no I I totally understand that and I I, I get that she would write the letter right but the putting it in the suitcase I know and sending know. it off with him when she knew because I believe it said explicitly that she knew he would never read it right so it's that's where I was just like okay just because she's a battered woman she's reasoning dysfunctionally <laughs> so that's why Edith gets the letter and we have this whole plot
1: you have you have to have a little bit of twists and stuff to make things work,
0: you know. Yeah, but from again, this is the point I'm always making and why it's like I'm looking for silk and everything, right. every, you know, most of what's around is polyester and cotton. I'm looking for silk and cashmere, and that's just not right. as common. And this is why, to me, this is cotton. Because it's like the quality is not there when your twists are so... Coincidence dependent, like this plot is, and contrived. It's not that plausible.
1: So yeah, I, I think she's just trying to hook all these people. Yeah, and then the other thing that these, these battered women. Yeah, now. the
0: battered women theme. Here you have the coincidence of Cal finding the suitcase, digging it up, confronting his grandmother. Now, Roberta, please tell me, explain to me <laughs> why. <laughs> Please explain to me why he got so furious, slapped this woman down, and hauled ass off to Maine to go find the woman who planted the bomb. Did somebody in the plane – did he know somebody in this plane? Was there any connection to anybody? No,
1: but he he was crazy, too. (laughs) Obviously, but it just didn't make any sense. It didn't connect for me. You know, because ever since he was little (laughs) – he would just fly off the handle, for yeah, time. but
0: it was a stretch to think he would get so righteously indignant. What is he? the moral majority that he's gonna go find this woman who put a bomb on the plane from fifty years ago or
1: whatever, and,
0: yeah. and he, well, <laughs> marry her just, granddaughter
1: and start beating her up really well i'm 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 not saying you know that that. That can't be your opinion or whatever. That's or, my opinion. I can, I, That's so my I, point I, of view. I'm just saying, I, you know, I see your point of view. And it's not like I'm totally saying that that's wrong. But I'm saying you, that still that he was, you know, a wacko in his own right, <laughs> that he, he was like the latest in this chain of men that just – you know, that couldn't control themselves, and I know we probably, I probably talked about it with you before. I, no matter what they say, I feel like these people that are wife or or children abusers, that there's gotta be a genetic link somewhere because they they're just got too many things in common, and there's just too many things that are link all these people that I just figure it has to be a link. And at least poor, you know, Gibbs that he didn't get that nasty, you know, trait.
0: And and it was explained that, um, which I thought was a good layer, that Edith recognized that she was inept at raising better men. Right, right. Her husband was horrible to her. And she was kind of dealing with that. And then her son wasn't (laughs) <laughs> Any better? He was beating Lucky. up um, what's her face? the the his wife. Yeah, I forget her name now. Cecilia was it? Yes, or Celia. And then cat his son comes and is pretty much the same way. And it was like when he slapped her, the grandmother, I was just like going, okay, I, it was hollow to me. I didn't see the the weight there. Like why? Why would he be reacting to this that way? like blaming her or, you know what I mean? And why would he then run off to Maine to get some vigilante justice against this old woman?
1: Well, he he went to California first, though, too. So just, to, you know, completely. Yeah, He dist- ran away. But then why did he do that? Why did he go to Maine? Well, I don't know. Like I said, maybe he thought he was the moral compass, even though he was, you know, another crazy, abusive guy, too. That was just a stretch for me.
0: And then he marries Merit, doesn't tell her anything about his past or who he is or who she is or anything like that. And then she inherits, she ends up inheriting the house because he dies in a fire. It right. Was, there was a, that was another theme, too. Everybody's conveniently dying. It's like, so it was first with um, Edith's husband crashing when the plane crashed. Right. Well, that was kind of poetic
1: justice. Right.
0: All. And then who else died? Merritt's father died.
1: Her mother died. <laughs> her, mother, her mother, that kind of messed her up too, because her mother had, you know, died in the accident by drowning. And then, uh, you know, but the the father just, you know, I think he he was just getting older and everything too. And yeah, had- poor
0: Owen's dad dies. And it was just everybody's that Laura Lee's dying. It was like, right. it, 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 just, yeah. It was just uh, domestic abuse and death.
1: Well, that happens a lot, you know. <laughs> I think I think she maybe tried to work more on the domestic abuse idea too, because it is sad, and it seems like it keeps going on generation after generation. And, and, and I like, yeah, I
0: I like that Edith sent Gib to the to the neighbors.
1: Yeah, because she just felt like that that things just hadn't worked out, and then. These she knew these people were kind people and gentle people and that, you know, I don't know he probably didn't understand to start with, but I think later on he he realized, you know. But I'm well, glad that she
0: got self-aware and right. she realized that okay, my husband died and I raised my son on my own. Right. And you know, you can talk about genetics. But right. if he had a, if he was hitting up against a stronger mother, he couldn't be that way with her.
1: Well, and, and that was the thing, too, that that um, Edith got cowed early on by her husband and then uh, CJ, his wife, that when he brought her home, even Edith looking at her like, oh, no, you know, she no, looks just like me.
0: She looks just she like looks I just did. Like,
1: yeah. She, she looks like too timid and sweet and everything. Mm-hmm. So. You know, I think sometimes these uh, men in, end up you know getting uh, drawn to these women that are sort of weak and don't have enough self-confidence Right, because and,
0: that's the, that's the only type of woman that's going to stay with them
1: stay with them and, and and all and you know put up with the abuse well you think if the plane crash hadn't happened that things would have been you know it would have been even worse for Edith you know that she may not have survived to old age like she did
0: yeah that that's a, true that's an
1: idea because you know her her husband even though he was tomcatting around and everything else he still you know was abusing her when he was around and you know i don't know that just like with cecilia that eventually it could have led to her death through one way or the other so you know it's hard to say that it's, it was weird that he got killed by this this plane which you know was caused by another abused woman but well it it just has this you know this coincidentally yes (laughs) and
0: then the idea that they're getting revenge right she's getting revenge on her husband who's abusing her and she's afraid for her daughter that she had
1: right
0: and she decides okay i'm gonna kill you i'm gonna blow you up like really that's the that's (laughs) You want to kill him and that's the way you decide to build a bomb and put it on a plane? Oh
1: yeah, well, like I said, it was a lo- long time ago, and I, She's I don't nuts. know. Maybe, She's nuts. Maybe, <laughs> I to say Maybe she thought she could get away with it that way, that it wouldn't <laughs> be like the burning bed or, you know. And it, he was going to be in he,
0: Miami, right? Wasn't he on his way to Miami? He was going to be, yeah, be in another
1: state. Yeah, he's going to be in another state. So it's like probably no one would have known if the – suitcase had landed there if the suitcase had gotten you know blown over in the ocean too so I, I know you did like it as much as I did but you know you have to agree it had its moments and the, um yeah, no, it
0: wasn't the worst it wasn't the worst and I I did enjoy the opening you know the, right. the, the first part of the book I enjoyed and I liked how she was setting up the mystery
1: right just, I mean because yeah it's it's very visual because you could picture that and and then you could even picture the um the the settings when they were going out in the marshes and yeah. the different things so you know that really brought certain things to life for me because i i like books where i can you know visualize it because the author gives such good descriptions of the setting right. and that you, know, that you can just imagine it you can feel like you're right there and, and a lot like you said a lot of times they can show you they don't have to tell you everything but they can show you this and you can think wow mm-hmm. you know this is pretty cool
0: yeah that that part was was good South Carolina is always a, a lovely setting
1: it is I'm glad that I chose it because mm-hmm. I'm embarrassed that I hadn't gotten around to reading it because I had it from last year so I feel better that I have uh, moved on because Karen White has another book coming out. I saw in January, so I feel like I'm, you know, getting up, back up to where I should be. You're in, caught in- up. <laughs> i'm caught up it's a um, shame they don't really you don't see the sea glass anymore but i think now that people don't use glass stuff anymore that there's yucky trash on the beach and yeah, stuff yeah yeah
0: that was another part aspect i like too was the wind chimes made of right. the sea glass i i could really picture that and i i like the book cover that shows one. So. Oh
1: yeah it, it's so pretty it really yeah. is it's a, a very eye-catching book cover yeah. but it's Wait, I I hope we'll have some dis- good discussion in the cove. That I'll post some more questions tomorrow morning.
0: Yes, if- and um, we haven't heard from. Uh, we heard from Cheryl. She didn't like it, yeah. and um, she said it was painful. I I don't think it was painful. I mean, I like I said, I did some skimming, because this isn't just with with this book, but there are a lot of authors who who do this, and it makes the pacing very tedious to me when a conversation doesn't flow at a natural pace, because they have interspersed a lot of descriptions, or they're over explaining things to the spoon feeding the reader with descriptions and stuff, you know, before a character responds to another character. So the conversation seems to take a whole page before it progresses. (laughs) And that just, I don't like that at all. So that there was a lot of that here. And I found that I could just kind of skim it. And you didn't really miss anything because usually oh. it's explaining something that you can pick up from the conversation that really didn't need to be said. So that that was my thing. But so it wasn't painful. I, I'm glad you picked it, too, because I think this is the second book I've read by her. I had only read one before. So now I've read two. So I have a good idea of, you know, what how her writing is.
1: Well, I say, yeah, as we said before, we need to expose ourselves to a, a wide variety of, of different things that we would never pick up otherwise. So Yeah,
0: that's the whole point. All right, so that is our discussion of The Sound of Glass by Karen White. Thank you to our listeners for tuning in. And as always, leave us your comments. Did you read The Sound of Glass? Are you a fan of Karen White? Let us know what you think, whether you agree or you disagree. And stay tuned for our next episode. We'll be discussing That Night by Chevy Stevens.